Welcome, everybody, to the Glass City Game Time Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Christen, and this week we're joined by a special guest, and he is Patrick Andrus. He is the assistant sports editor at the Daily Northwestern out in Evanston, Illinois. He's a Sylvania native. Patrick, welcome to the show. How's everything going for you? Thanks for having me, Corey. Of course. And this week is a big game, as you know. The Ohio State Buckeyes and the Northwestern Wildcats in the Big Ten Championship game. And we brought Patrick on here to give a different perspective on some things. We obviously have Kyle Rowland, our Blade Sports writer, who covers Ohio State and Michigan for the Blade and Big Ten football. But we haven't gotten the perspective from the other side, if you will. And Patrick uh, is very closely in tune with Northwestern football as, as he writes for the Daily Northwestern out there. Not going to hold it against him. I am a Syracuse grad. Not going to hold it against him for, for going to that other school, as we might say. But Patrick, in, in a very serious note here, the Big Ten title game is going to be one that, that should be a good one. Looking at this matchup, we're looking at irresistible force versus immovable object, if I can borrow a line uh, from Great Wrestling Past. And looking at Ohio State, the number one scoring offense in the Big Ten, they are checking in at 46.6 points per game. Meanwhile, Northwestern, number one scoring defense in the Big Ten. 14.6 points per game they're allowing. So that's the big thing I want to hit on with this matchup, in addition to a bunch of other things. But looking at Ohio State's offense versus Northwestern's defense, and you've seen, obviously, a lot of Northwestern football this year. How could Northwestern contain Ohio State? And what are some of the players that are going to be important in order to do that? Well, Corey, it's going to be a tall task. It's going to be – it's. Northwestern simply they haven't faced an attack like this this year. An attack like this doesn't exist in the Big Ten West. We thought we thought Wisconsin was like that, but uh, they have petered out as the year has gone on. But for Northwestern, it's going to come down to, I think, whether they can sort of bottle up Ohio State's running game because you look at the best team Ohio State has played. Uh, they played Indiana, and Indiana Ohio State takes a big lead. Indiana gets back into it. And the way Ohio State kind of ices the game away gradually is they set Master Teague loose. Master Teague runs for 169 yards. Northwestern Ohio State, they probably have the two best linebacking core in the, in the Big Ten. And it's going to come down to whether Northwestern can deploy Patty Fisher, who's probably going to be an NFL player, Blake Gallagher, who's NFL-level talent, uh, Chris Bergen, uh, the, the these three linebackers they form, they call themselves the Irish law firm because they're all Irish. And they, if they can bottle up Teague and that running attack, uh, they're also going to be trying to stop the fields on the quarterback draw. Uh, my colleague at the Daily Brockway pointed out not long ago that um, the, the teams that have given Northwestern pits all season, Michigan State, they did it with a just kind of a steady diet of quarterback draws. Nebraska did the same thing and had a chance to tie the game at the end against Northwestern. But if Ohio State can unleash fields, if, if they can get fields in space, then that's hurt Northwestern all season. They're going to have to come up with a game plan to stop that quarterback draw game. Those are going to be the two, those are going to be the two factors that determine how Northwestern's defense handles Ohio State's offense. Yeah, Ohio State's rushing offense, number one in the Big Ten, 251 yards per game. Meanwhile, Northwestern's rush defense, number four in the conference, 122 yards per game. But here's the big thing for me. Northwestern's allowed two rushing touchdowns in their seven games this year. So limiting Ohio State's ground attack is certainly going to be a key focal point. We know how Justin Fields operates. You've seen a lot of Ohio State football as well 
obviously being where you're from, you're, you live in Sylvania, you're from Sylvania, you've seen a lot of OSU football as well this year too, and you know how Justin Fields can do it both with his arm and his legs. So let's say Northwestern contains that ground attack like we're talking about here, and that does come to fruition. Who has to step up in the secondary for the Wildcats to stop Justin Fields' arm and Ohio State's really good, you know, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, they're good receivers? You know, like if Northwestern secondary can't come up with ways to stop Olave and Wilson game, it's going to be over by halftime. It's, it's going to come down to an effect. So Greg Newsom the second is Northwestern's big secondary star, and he is a first-team All-Big Ten honoree. And against the best threat the Wildcats saw this season, against David Bell of Purdue, he just sh- shut Bell down over and over, and he helped Northwestern. Uh, both teams were undefeated at the time. It was a pretty big clash, but that was Purdue. That was really Purdue's long receiving threat. I believe Rondell Rondo Moore was out for that game, and Newsom really shut him down. So I, I think he will we'll be up to the task against Olave or Wilson, and the depth of the secondary is going to be tested. Uh, another another big piece for Northwestern this year. Maybe their best defensive player has been Brandon Joseph, uh, who has five interceptions this year, and. That is the most in college football this season, and that is amazing considering Northwestern's only played how many games? Six games. But uh, if, but Joseph and Newsom, I think, are going to be the big pieces for Northwestern in the secondary. J.R. Pace, too, is a, a talent. Look for him. He, he loves to steal opponents' towels. There was a viral, those are the guys that are going to be making an impact. And if they can't make an impact, uh, it's probably going to look a lot like last year's Ohio State-Northwestern game where Ohio State – it was it was seven to three early, and then Ohio State just avalanched forty five straight points. If the secondary doesn't step up, this game is going to look a lot like that game. So Ohio State five and zero. They're favored by twenty and a half points as of this recording, and I'm looking on ESPN.com for those odds. By the way, Northwestern this season at six and one, they're five one and one against the spread this year. So I'm not I'm not going to discount Northwestern to at least keep it close somewhat. And a big portion of that, we've talked as much as the talk circulates around Ohio State's offense versus Northwestern defense. Northwestern still has to put points up. And Peyton Ramsey, currently 11th in the conference in passing, is he the focal point of Northwestern's offense to keep a look at? Or how can Northwestern offensively compete with Ohio State in this? He is going to need to be better than he is at just kind of moving the ball. His calling card this year has really been not making stupid mistakes. It was his calling card at Indiana, too. Uh, he's got nine touchdowns and six picks, which which doesn't look glamorous, but two of the picks came against Michigan State, and that's Northwestern's one loss. But uh, Ramsey, when he's on, he'll be hitting just kind of these small chunk, chunk yardage passes. He's not going to beat you over the top like Fields might. And I think that the best – He's got to trust his receivers, I think, is the best way for him to, to beat Ohio State. He's got a lot of his receivers work in space. Uh, the secondary is kind of the weak point of this Ohio State team. Uh, uh, Northwestern receiver, uh, Ramal Shaquille Bowman, he was talking about it, and the, uh, they had a press conference today, I believe, and he talked about how, you know, he, he said, and I'm, I'm using his words, he said, we looked at the tape and kind of beat them for – 461 yards and five touchdowns it's definitely something that can be done and it's going to it's going to hinge upon whether Ramsey can exploit those weaknesses and uh, Ramsey this season is kind of a it's kind of funny because Ramsey most of Northwestern's much of Northwestern's success from last season to this season has been attributed to Ramsey who is such an upgrade over the kind of revolving door they had at quarterback last year but nine and 
nine touchdowns, six interceptions. No, no Ohio State quarterback has had that ratio of touchdowns to interceptions since Terrell Pryor in 2009. No qualified Ohio State quarterback. So that kind of shows you the standard for quarterback plan of Western, how Northwestern will utilize the quarterback. So I think it's going to come down, essentially. Ramsey trusts his receivers. He's not making these kind of game-changing mistakes, which he's only really done against Michigan State. I think that's the best chance for Northwestern to be in this game on the offensive side of the ball. Terrell Pryor, by the way, better basketball player than he is a football player. I've seen Terrell Pryor, Jeanette High School, Western Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh area. This kid can flat out fly when it comes to basketball court. I mean, you talk about gazelle running up and down the floor. My God. And I had never seen in a high school game that kind of athleticism on the floor like I saw for Terrell Pryor. Just wanted to put that out there for, for the Buckeye fans listening. If you thought Terrell Pryor was good at the football, he's better at the basketball. But that's, a, that's an interesting comparison you make. As far as passing numbers are concerned, right, we haven't seen anything at Ohio State since Terrell Pryor. We have to go back 11 years to look at numbers like that. As far as a passing quarterback is concerned, when you look at Peyton Ramsey and his athleticism, can he make those plays with his legs? Can he extend plays? Can he get out of the pocket and throw? What kind of quarterback are we looking at when we look at a Peyton Ramsey? I would call him maneuverable, if not mobile. I think that he can get out on the edge. And I would compare his athleticism. Well, I shouldn't say what's called. Baker Mayfield was coming to mind. But Mayfield's pretty fast because he's not overly fast. But he can, he can make a play with his legs uh, now and again. I think he has a rushing touchdown or two this season. Uh, I don't have it right in front of me right now. But uh, he is a re- reasonably decent runner. I wouldn't call him a running threat by any means. I think that – so North, I think Northwestern is going to be leaning on their three running backs. Uh, the rushing – in fact, it's interesting. The rushing attack, it really hasn't been there for Northwestern much of this season until last Saturday when Northwestern bruised Illinois for – 400 rushing yards, and it was, that was the first time they'd done that since 2003. And it really wasn't Ramsey that much. It was really the running backs. It was Cam Porter, the freshman from Cincinnati. He ran for 142 yards. Uh, it was Drake Anderson and Isaiah Bowser, the other running backs, saw time. So we're really not looking at a situation where the quarterback's going to dictate the flow of the run game. We're probably going to see uh, we're probably going to see Ramsey settling into these short passes, maybe even maybe an occasional downfield shot, and we're going to see kind of traditional handoffs. Maybe uh, uh, Mike Jockey, the offensive coordinator, he, he can dial up a trick play now and again. He does have that streak in him, uh, which is a stark contrast from the old offensive coordinator, uh, Nick McCall, who was a little bit stingy when it came to that. But uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't expect anything earth-shattering. I wouldn't expect any Boise State, Chris Peterson era. Uh, circus plays i would expect a pretty traditional attack from northwest no statue of liberties in this one right we're not expecting to see anything crazy like that unless you know they could go to page z in that playbook later on if something they needed to but certainly we wouldn't expect that in this kind of a contest i'll add one thing i if, if, if there's an area where i would expect that it's on defense because northwestern's defensive coordinator mike hankwitz he's 73 years old he's been coaching 50 years and he is one win away from 400, and I would expect him to empty the defensive playbook, and he's retiring this offseason. Go out on the high note. We'll see how that works out. Uh, he have a bowl game, perhaps, to, to coach into, so a couple of chances there. I want to talk about Northwestern's turnaround. 
Last season, one and eight in the conference, three and nine overall. This season, they're six and one. And really, it just looks like they're a completely different football team. What happened to spark that turnaround? Why are they so good at football now, seemingly? Well, Corey, I think it goes back to – so I was raised in Ohio State, and my dad is an Ohio State grad. And it was like shock therapy my freshman year at Northwestern last year to see a football team go 3-9. and nine. I was thinking, you know, you're thinking to yourself, is it possible for a college football team to be this bad after years of watching all these Braxton Miller, Megan, J.D. Barrett, Megan Cardell Jones, and so on? You're like, can a college football team be this bad? But Northwestern was this bad last year. They threw all of last season, they threw six touchdown passes and 15 interceptions, which looks like a line from 1922 or something, or some long ago year. And that, that really was the summation of their problems. They brought in a five-star transfer quarterback, Hunter Johnson, from Clemson. They expected him to be a world beater, and he really wasn't. And it's also unfortunate he struggled with some family issues. They had a the revolving door of him, other quarterbacks, Andrew Marty, TJ Green, Aiden Smith were the other quarterbacks they used. And they really could never get anything going. Their three wins were over UNLV, Massachusetts, and they kind of put it all together in the regular season finale and beat Illinois to win the Land of Lincoln Trophy. But really, it's just a contrast in what they didn't have last year. Last year, they don't have a reliable quarterback. This year, they have Peyton Ramsey, who is just a – so a top-notch game manager doesn't make the debilitating mistakes, broadly speaking, uh, whereas this kind of mess last year, interception-prone, turnover-prone. And they also have, I alluded to earlier, so last year after the season, they, the Pepich Sterile fires his offensive coordinator of 10-plus years, Mick McCall, and he brings in Mike Bajaki and an offensive coordinator from Boston College. And Bajaki kind of opens up the playbook and – but the opener of this season, myself, my colleagues, my friends, Northwestern rolls up uh, 43 points, and we're all like, whoa, what is this? It's like we've, we've finally joined the 21st century, which is ironic because at the turn of the century, Northwestern was known for its up-tempo offenses, putting 54 up against Michigan, winning games 54-51, 40-something, 40-something, winning those kind of, kinds of games. But it's just been – Sort of just an offensive rule. The defense really wasn't the problem last year, but they, they were getting too much pressure put on them. They were getting tired out. They were late in games. They were sort of falling apart. They lose games like they get shut out by Iowa 20 to nothing. Uh, they lose to Purdue 24-22 on a field goal at the gun. They're, they're just kind of – the defense is having too much pressure put on them, and they're giving up respectable point totals. This year, this year that's really not happening, except with the exception of Michigan State. They're – uh, the defense is not being overstrained, and they're able to make big plays when they need to and give Northwestern chances to be in and win football games. By the way, I know about seeing my school go from bad football to good football back to bad football again. Uh, uh, Syracuse, when I was there, 2018, they went 10-3, and 6-2 and two in the conference, and they beat Clemson in 2017. By the way, now Cuse uh, in 2020. All this under Dino Vaders, by the way, former uh, BGSU football coach. Uh, one in ten and one in nine in the ACC. So I'll just uh, leave that where it is right now. Uh, Northwestern though went from playing bad football to playing good football, and they're playing in fact great football this year. Not a lot of people thought, you know, looking at the Big Ten this year, that Northwestern would be at the top of that Big Ten West. You know, looking at Wisconsin, not a lot of people thought that Northwestern was going to come up top of the Big Ten 
West division, and certainly Northwestern has lived up to a way higher standard. And Pat Fitzgerald, as a football coach, is just wonderful. Regardless of the record, it seems like he's a coach that gets players to play behind him. He's a coach that gets players to rally around his words, that gets to buy into what he sells. What is it about Pat Fitzgerald and your experience being around him and, and talking to him that shows some of those qualities with him as a football coach? No one's ever had like an outrageously bad interaction with Pat Fitzgerald. You know, he might be a snippy after a loss. No, no one's, no one ever has a bad word to say about him as far as uh, those who cover him. I, I don't cover football. I'm not on the beat. But I cover. Uh, I write football. I've written a couple of football stories. But uh, Pat Fitzgerald, he's he, he's just kind of he's a real real players coach. Uh, it's kind of funny. He he knows well. He knows how to work the media. Uh, like he, he's latched on to, you know, Joey Galloway lobs an insult, uh, lobs an insult at a Western. He calls him the fighting Reese Davises and Pat Fitzgerald, he knows how to latch on to that. He should rally his team. And he's kind of a master of, it, well, it really boils down to he loves Northwestern. He was the heart and soul of the 1995 team that stunned the nation uh, by winning the Big Ten and going to the Rose Bowl. And, he really kind of reveres the football tradition at Northwestern University, and he knows how to sell it to recruits. He knows how to sell it to the big wigs to get unprecedented investment in football. Uh, Northwestern now has a nine-figure football facility right on Lake Michigan. Uh, it's a beautiful facility with a view of Lake Michigan, and he know he know he really knows how to translate his passion to dollars, I, I guess you could say, to dollars and to recruits and eventually to football success. Uh, even even though at, at Northwestern, you're never really getting these. You're, you're never going to get the Ohio State recruits, the Michigan recruits, the Penn State recruits at Northwestern. You're, you're, never, you're not even going to get the Notre Dame recruits probably. But he knows how to identify guys that will thrive in his system, and he knows how to uh, sort of coach the fundamentals, get players to execute. Uh, just everything, everything you want in a football coach who played at your school, I guess. So, you know, we all get a, I have a friend who goes to Vanderbilt. You will get Vanderbilt hiring uh, Clark Lee, a former player. Uh, and it, it seems, it seems at least clear to me. I don't think anyone said it out loud that they want a Pep Fitzgerald for their program. They want a guy who can come in to uh, sort of implement his system and score some upsets in a league in which that school has traditionally not had success in Northwestern. Northwestern has had more success under Pat Fitzgerald than any other coach. That's that's the gospel truth. No one has ever approached, not even Gary Barnett. There's another matchup I want to talk about a little bit more in depth, and I kind of hinted at it a little bit earlier. It's Ohio State receivers versus Northwestern secondary. Looking at Crystal Lobby and Garrett Wilson at Ohio State, the top two statistically leading receivers in the Big Ten but Northwestern this year has a couple of all Big Ten defensive backs that can really keep them in check. I'm looking at Brandon Joseph, who also, by the way, was named the Big Ten freshman of the year. And then I'm looking at Greg Newsom the second as well as a defensive back. What is it about those two that maybe they can keep Olave and Wilson in check? And can we expect any kind of a shadow on either of those receivers with either of those cornerbacks? Yeah, I would. I would expect. I would expect uh, Fitzgerald and Hankwitz to deploy uh, Joseph and Newsom liberally to guard those two guys. I think you're going to see them in the secondary trying to create havoc. Now, Olave and Wilson are very fast. I've seen Olave and Wilson play. There is simply an athleticism gap between Ohio State and Northwestern. 
That's the nature of recruiting. Ohio State recruits really fast players and Northwestern recruits merely fast players. But I think that I think it's going to come down to strategy if uh, Joseph and Newsom, if they're used right instead of instead of just kind of throwing them willy nilly at Olave and Wilson. If they're sort of reading their routes, they're making changes. See, they're reading Ohio State's offense and making changes. I think that's going to be the biggest key for Northwestern. I will point out it's kind of funny that. Uh, Wilson is a native of College Station, Texas, which is a team that would, which uh, is the home of a team that would have some interest in Northwestern winning Saturday. So I wouldn't be surprised if he was hearing from uh, people in his life the way I've been trash talked by people in my life. So uh, it, it's gonna, it's gonna be. A, you're right. It's gonna be a fascinating matchup to watch. Uh, I, I can't wait to see how it turns out because I, I think that Newsom wasn't healthy last year for one. And I think that him being healthy this year is going to make a lot of a difference for Northwestern's success in the Big Ten Championship in any bowl game. I think that he might be the most important player on that defense, period. By the way, Newsom led the conference in pass breakups with nine, and Joseph was tied for the conference lead in interceptions with five. So pick your poison, maybe if you're Justin Fields. Obviously, Olave and Wilson are two excellent wide receivers, but you're also going against two excellent defensive backs there and what they can do. So that's going to be an exciting matchup. To me, the most exciting matchup is that Ohio State offense versus the Northwestern defense for many reasons, as we've covered here. When this game's all said and done, and whether Ohio State comes out as the victor or Northwestern pulls off the upset, what do you think are going to be the things that we talk about after the game that maybe happen during the game? What are going to be those big headlines that you think are going to happen? So if Northwestern is to make that happen, we're going to hear about, I think a lot of the conversation is going to be about how linebackers were able to bottle up Teague. People are going to be like, wow, I, I, didn't, I didn't know. You're going to see, you know, you know, we look at a, the NFL draft board this year. Rashawn Slater, who opted out of this season, he's really high, and a lot of his cachet comes from uh, he held Chase Young in check during the 2018 Big Ten Championship game. He really did a good job of neutralizing him. Uh, I think we're going to hear a similar story about Eddie Fisher and Blake Gallagher, the linebackers of Northwestern pulls this upset. We're going to be over here about how they neutralized Teague, how they snuffed out Fields cornerback draws. Uh, and they venom an upset. We're going to hear about we're going to hear about Ramsey and how he effectively managed the game. If it, I, w- I would expect any, I would expect any Northwestern upset. And I think ESPN's Football Power Index says it happens about nine, ten percent of the time. I expect any Northwestern upset to be a close game. And I think we're going to hear about how. Ramsey really came. He really came through in a close game. He was able to lead a game-winning drive, a game-tying drive, a game-clinching drive. Um, so I would I would think that we're going to hear about linebacker play. Uh, we're going to hear about Ramsey, and I think the other thing you really hit upon it is that secondary against those wide receivers. Are did Newsom and Joseph hold Olave and Wilson? Check or did it, did they keep their targets low? Did they keep their catches low? Uh, those kind of traditional stats, I guess, can be a measuring stick here. Uh, that uh, are they not are they not committing stupid penalties? Neither are prone to stupid penalties. This isn't a team that commits stupid penalties. But what wasn't was Northwestern able to remain mistake free? Is I guess the question we'll be able to ask afterward. And if Northwestern doesn't turn the ball over. Northwestern's turning the ball over zero or one times, and Fields throws a freak pick here and there, and 
he puts the ball on the ground. The defense gets aggressive and forces a turnover. That could that could really be a game changer. Northwestern's thrived on turnovers this season. So it's, it's a lot of a lot of dominoes have to fall for any Northwestern upset is what I would emphasize. It's got to be this thing has to go right, this thing has to go right, this thing has to go right, this thing has to go right. It's like looking at an electoral map for a political candidate. You know, you got to win here, here, here. But I think if if Northwestern can hit and sort of strike that balance, if the jockey can have the right game plan for Ramsey and Newsom, Joseph Pace, the secondary can get a handle on Olave and Wilson, if the linebackers can stop Fields, quarterback draws and fatigue, and if they can hold them in check, I think we're talking about a close game. If if not a Northwestern upset, it's a tall task, but but it's something that we're talking about if those things happen. A lot of Ohio State fans listening right now and looking at me saying, why is this guy pressing the doomsday button on Ohio State football? No, I'm just, I'm just trying to say that this is, not a, this is not a fluke game by any stretch. Like Northwestern is a serious football opponent looking at what they've done this season and the players that we mentioned that they have a lot of all Big Ten selections, good linebacking core, two really good DBs that will match up against Ohio State's receivers. I'm not pressing any panic button on Ohio State football. I'm just trying to highlight Northwestern's a football team that should be taken seriously here. So I'm really glad, Patrick, that you're able to highlight this for us. And you being out at the Daily Northwestern and, and being a Sylvania native, man, tell me how you how you got out there. Tell me about your journey out to Northwestern. And, and going from Sylvania, you probably grew up reading the blade a little bit, I hope. Wink, wink. Yeah. Um, oh, my tell, God. I was... tell, me about, tell me about your path to journalism. Yeah, I was telling Kyle Rowland, I grew up reading The Blade. I grew up reading Dave Hackenberg. I uh, grew up reading all all about Ohio State, Michigan, Mark Monroe. I can throw out a million names from a million years ago. Lamar Woodley of Michigan, Eric Page, Freddie Barnes. Just, uh, but, yeah, that was really my introduction to sports journalism. And uh, I was an Ohio State fan. I mentioned that my dad went to Ohio State, and I really got interested in sports journalism and I kind of got I got a big break in 2015 when uh, I won a magazine contest held by Sports Illustrated Kids and I won a chance to be a kid reporter for a year and that took me a lot of different places that took me into the locker room well not in the locker room into the interview room I should say after an Ohio State game uh, talk, talking to Ezekiel Elliott that took me to the Cavs locker room talking to Kyrie Irving which which I've told a lot of people about because it's now a rarity talking to Kevin Love and, and it took, took me to MLB All-Star Game Media Day in Cincinnati and just having all those opportunities and eventually I led me to apply to the top journalism schools like Newhouse, like uh, Medill. And, and Newhouse actually waitlisted me. They put me on their waitlist. Mm. But I, I got into Medill and it's been it's been an amazing ride. And, and I, I always wear, I, I wear my 419 shirt proudly around Northwestern's campus and kind of sticks out among a lot of Long Islanders, Californians, people from D.C. It's, it's very national university. Like I, I've barely met any any people from Ohio, which is kind of funny to me. But uh, it's, a, it's a really cool university. It's a really cool program. I've certainly enjoyed it. I'm really looking forward to this game. And I, I, I've been kind of the window on Ohio for the daily for my friends. Uh, and... Yeah, I'm just, I'm just looking forward to see what happens. I've heard all kinds of trash talk from my dad and my friends. I, I just want to see what happens. A little personalization behind that football game, sure. Little known fact about me, I, I haven't really mentioned this because it hasn't come up in many conversations, but 
I applied to Northwestern for journalism. They waitlisted me, and then <laughs> I got the I got the acceptance from Syracuse, so I took it. And then I don't know, two three months later, Northwestern emailed me back, said, "Hey, you're in," and I was like, "Sorry, already in elsewhere." But that's how the cookie <laughs> crumbles, I guess. You know that that's that's how that's life hilarious. goes, and you know. Um, I, I'm very fortunate and lucky to have gone to Newhouse at, at Syracuse. They've, they've been amazing. And we actually, uh, a few classmates of mine and myself just had a Zoom chat the other day, a little reunion from, uh, from my class. And uh, trust me, these are experiences you talk about. First of all, you get the Kyrie Irving interview. You're one of like five people to get that. So yeah, I was in, I'm trying to think how long ago was that? It was five years ago. I was 13. I was, I was there with him. I asked him, I asked him, uh, Kyrie, where, uh, they wanted me to ask him about his favorite favorite things. It was funny. Some of them are revealing. And I said, I asked him what his favorite team was going up. He said the New Jersey Nets. Just these little, little trivial things about him. I think his favorite cartoon was Phineas and Ferb. Uh, he, his favorite meal was mac and cheese. It was, it was just an interest. It's an interesting character study, both then and now. He wasn't flinging any flat earth conspiracies at you or no, nope. no aliens, no, uh, you know, no Area 51 stuff at no. you? No, not at that time. <laughs> he was still a little bit level-headed uh, about five years ago. I mean, shoot, five years ago. I mean, we're looking at LeBron coming back. LeBron's already back in Cleveland. We're looking at the Cavs a year before their title win. Uh, we're looking at a lot of stuff. Well, five years ago feels like ten years ago for yeah, me. Yeah. I, maybe that's just me getting older. Um, but at any roots, that had to be exciting to, to get there. And certainly you being from where you're from and you have gotten a great football base being here for Northwest Ohio, not just at the college level, but the high school level Absolutely. as well. So Absolutely. really cool to see you doing that, all that great stuff out in Evanston and for the Daily Northwestern. Patrick, where can we find your coverage? Where can we find your writing? And uh, where can we find anything that would pertain to this Saturday's matchup? Um, so you can you can follow, follow me on Twitter. It's the best way to find my, my thoughts on the matchup, sports, life, universe. That's probably the best place to find me. I'm covering the Northwestern men's basketball this season, uh, which you can find at the Daily Northwestern. Uh, you can find a QA and a I did earlier this year. I did a Q&A with Tyrell Sutton, a former Northwestern running back. Uh, he talked to, to me a little bit about uh, the, the state of this year's team. This was, I think, after the Iowa game, so two or three games into the season. Um, you, can, uh, you can find just kind of Google Daily Northwestern, Tyrell Sutton, and that interview should come up. He's a he's an Akron guy. He's an Ohioan. Uh, what Ohio State fans are going to find? I, I don't think I brought this up at all. Is there are there are Ohioans everywhere on this roster. There's a lot of Cincinnatians. I think there's a couple of Cleveland guys. Uh, Gunnar Vogel, an offensive lineman. He's from went to Westerville South. His grandfather played for Ohio State. Uh, he was a lineman too. Uh, you, you might you might hear P- Peter McIntyre's name called. He played for St. John's. Uh, is a great player for St. John's. So, and, and this is a pipeline that's been around forever. Uh, Northwestern's Ohio, it's kind of like a, it's kind of funny because Northwestern's only loss to this season was to Michigan State, which is another team that seems like every year half the team is from Ohio. But uh, it, I, I think that that's, some, that's something I would look for if I were in Ohio, for, for Ohio State fans. And I guess continuing with uh, – my coverage, yeah, you can just follow me on Twitter. Uh, you can go to the dailynorthwestern.com. We got a terrific, terrific football beat. Uh, our writers, Ella, Andrew, Greg, Drew, Peter, that's our uh, writing team. You'll, you'll see them. Uh, they're, they're just terrific at what they do. 
we, we have a terrific team at the Daily Northwestern, and there's going to be a lot of great coverage of, of this game Saturday. What's your Twitter handle? You never said it. Uh, at PAndris2001. Got it. Wait, is that 2001 year you were born? Yes, that's correct. Uh, I'm old. That's, <laughs> that's scary to me. Um, Any route. Follow Patrick on Twitter. He's done wonderful stuff out at the Daily NU. Again, not going to hold it against him because I am a Newhouse Syracuse alum. But in any route, Patrick, you're doing great coverage out there. We're happy to see that. Sylvania native, and uh, we're, we're excited to see you rocking this Saturday and, and covering proud, Cats basketball as well. Pr- proud uh, Northview grad. So go go those Wildcats as well. That doesn't happen often, I'm sure, going from uh, high school Wildcats to – well, it might, going from high school Wildcats to college Wildcats. And, but. and the, the logo is essentially the same, the letter N with the cartoon cat. It works both ways. But, hey, Patrick, we appreciate your time this week, and uh, good luck with your coverage, and we're looking forward to following along. Uh, thanks very much for having me, Corey. I appreciate it. There you go. Those of you listening in, you can find us every week on ToledoBlade.com, on Blade News Slide, and – on various podcast streaming outlets out there. Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Just search Glass City Game Time, and you will find us. So, for Patrick Andrus, my name is Corey Christen. This has been the Glass City Game Time Podcast, and I'll talk to you next week.